stuff. Hey, it's good to be with all of you guys. I don't know how many of you have uh, seen, it's a little dated, but have seen the movie The Help. Raise your hand if you've, if you've seen the movie The Help. It's one of my wife Lisa's favorites. Uh, let me highlight a couple of, of the characters in the movie. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Hilly, or known as Miss Hilly, by the servants, the, the help. And Miss Hilly is, uh, well, she's not a nice lady. Let's just be honest. She, she's bitter. She's uh, anxious. She's agitated. She's angry. And she seems to let that out on all the people around her, especially upon the servants. Now, this is another one of the servants known as the help in the movie. This is Abilene. Um, sweet woman, caring, kind, uh, just doing what she's called to do and caring for this family. And Miss Hilly just continues to just go at her, go at her, just unleash her bitterness, her rage, her anger upon Abilene. And at one point, Abilene gets to, the, gets to her point, okay? And she looks, she looks Miss Hilly dead in the eyes, and she says these words, ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Ain't you tired? Now, this is a profound and a deep question. It's actually a, 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 a helpful question coming from the help in the home. She's pointing Miss Hilly to look deeper inside of herself to realize all this bitterness and anger that she's carrying around that she continues to let out on others, and just brings about all this unhappiness in her life. And so Abilene says to her, ain't you tired? In other words, ain't you tired of just carrying that around all the time, of living your life that way? And it's a question that's not just for a character in a movie, it's a question for us. We're in a series here uh, in the wisdom literature of the Bible. And uh, this question is a profound and important question for us to ask ourselves. Ain't you tired? And maybe, maybe you're tired of being on the receiving end of other people's bitterness and rage and anger. Or maybe you're tired of seeing it rear its ugly head in your life as well. Ain't you tired? <laughs> When you think about anger, I mean, it can be like a tornado. It might touch down just, you know, once in a while for a few moments, and yet it leaves a path of destruction behind it, right? Or for some, anger, it's more like an ice storm, and it just, it just freezes people out, and there's, there's essentially no possibility of forgiveness or reconciliation, because of the anger and the bitterness that's there. Well, in our series, um, we're looking uh, at what sometimes are known as the seven deadly sins. Last weekend, we looked at pride, which really is kind of the root of all the other angers and, and issues of life. And this weekend, we f concentrate on the issue of anger specifically. And so we want to answer three questions this weekend. Number one, what is anger? Number two, why must I stop letting anger control me? And then this third question, why must I start allowing anger to control me? Yes, I said that right. More on that in a few moments, okay? But let's start with the first anger. What 
First question, what is anger? And I love, Tim Keller's so helpful. Um, Just a man of deep wisdom in the Lord. Um, And uh, Tim Keller, he defines anger in this way. Maybe you've never looked at it this way. He says, anger is energy released to defend something that you love. Now think about that. Anger is energy released to defend something that you love. You think, I mean, I think about mama bear syndrome, right? Like the anger can come out when you're defending something or someone, right, (laughs) that you love. But anger kind of has these these two sides. And depending on what we love and what we love the most, it will greatly impact what the anger looks like in our life and whether it's potentially a healthy anger, a righteous anger, or whether it is a destructive anger. So so for our our conversation, I just want us to think about it this way. If, If anger is energy released, to defend something that we love. The question is, well, what do I love? And I think there's, there's really two main categories of things that we can love at least the most in our life. We, we can love ourselves, or we can love God and others the most. And when we love ourselves the most, well, that will determine the things that we get angry about and the way that our anger comes out. On the flip side, if we love God and we love others the most, that will drastically change the type of anger that we have and the way that that anger comes out in our life. Uh, The Proverbs kind of bear this out in a number of ways. Proverbs 29 verse 11, for instance, says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Think about the times in your life where you've gotten angry and it's had to do really at the root, it, was, it had to do with you, like it, something about yourself and either you were embarrassed or you were frustrated or you, or you felt disrespected. Or, and, and, and so what did you do? You defended the thing that you love the most, which is yourself, and that led to just venting, right? And, and like, you know, like we always say, well, everybody needs somebody to vent to, Right? But not everybody out there needs their venting, our venting, on them. And he says the wise, they they quietly hold it back. They restrain it instead of just unleashing it like a tornado on everything and everyone around them. Or uh, Proverbs uh, 20, verse 22, the flip side says, uh, Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Instead, wait for the Lord. To handle the matter. You see, if we, if we love God and we love others the most, then we're not going to just give full vent to our anger. And even when we've been wounded or we've been disrespected or we've been hurt because we love God and because we love others, we'll, we'll heed his wisdom and his advice. And instead of giving full vent, we'll, we'll leave that person and that anger perhaps that we even are experiencing towards that person that hurt us, and we'll leave it to the Lord. But the reality is that's not how we do it most times, is it? We're looking to let people know, to vent our anger, and it causes all kinds of damage. That leads us to our second question. Why must I stop allowing anger to control me? 
Look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22. It says, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Now, if you're here this weekend and you're like, well, Todd, you're really kind of hitting us hard with this stuff. Just know that everything that I'm hitting you with, it hits me first. <laughs> and some of you might be sitting here going, well, I don't, that's not really my issue or, or my, my, you know, my habit or, or my tr- trouble. But, but anger can come out in a lot of different ways, right? It doesn't have to just be the hot-tempered person. Boy, I've seen a lot of very quiet angry people. <laughs> but he says, Proverbs says that this, this kind of anger uh, uh, that's centered around ourselves and defending ourselves will only continue to stir up conflict wherever we go. And he's, the writer says, it'll lead to many sins. <laughs> that's, why, that's why elsewhere in the Bible it says, in your anger, do not sin. Because oftentimes, just like, you know, after, after pride comes a fall, we talked about that last weekend, after anger comes an explosion, right? I think about what Ephesians 4.32 says. Paul, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he was just addressing the issues that, and this was a group of Christians. So, I mean, he knew, just like God knows, that the areas where we're weak, the areas where we struggle, the areas where we oftentimes blow it. And so, in his grace, he's calling out the church, and he's calling out even followers of Jesus. And, and Paul says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types, he says, of evil behavior. He just kind of lumps it all in. And, and we can easily go, well, listen, I lost my cool there, but at least I don't do this, right? And yet God's just like, no, all this stuff, it's dangerous and it's destructive and it's tearing your life apart. And it's tearing other people's lives apart. And notice that he doesn't say, um, if your anger just, you know, Go to anger management, like manage it. He says, get rid of it. He says, there's, a, there's an unhealthy type of anger that we just, we need to cut it out. We need to get rid of it in our lives. But the question is, well, how do we do that? Well, only by the, by the grace of Jesus and the power of Jesus, because we don't have that kind of power in and of ourselves. Our power gets unleashed and just vents on everybody. See, the reason that we need to get rid of anger, the reason we need to stop letting it control us is because it's, it's just creating destruction all around us. So, so Paul, he, he lists off this huge list. And so just to kind of expand on it, when he says, get rid of all these things, uh, he says, get rid of bitterness. Aristotle said, bitterness is a resentful spirit which refuses to be reconciled. And Paul says, get rid of it. Uh, he says, get rid of rage. Rage is an outburst of passion. And pa- not all passion is bad, right? But, but when, it's, when it's anger that's tied to just us and defending self, it can cause outbursts and rage that just destroys things and people around us. Or harsh words. Uh, G.C. Fenley said, the loud self-assertion of the angry person who will make everyone hear their grievances. Like anger will just make you do things and say things that you never would have done or said. 
before, or slander. It makes you say things not just out there, but it makes you say things about or directed at others. Speaking evil, John Stott says, of others, especially behind their backs, and so defaming and even destroying their reputation, slander. And at the root of slander is anger because of something that's happened to us. And we're, we're looking to defend ourselves. Proverbs 19, verse 19 says, Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. You know, the, the, the subtitle of our series is Stop Learning the Hard Way. And yet the reality is some of us, we're still learning the hard way, aren't we? And he says hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. It's almost like you, you don't even have to punish a hot-tempered, angry person. In fact, when it says must pay the penalty, the Hebrew word here literally means they carry around their own punishment. Isn't that true? In fact, probably there's some, some of us in the room that we realize the punishment that we're carrying around because of our own anger. Or there's people in our lives that we know, that we've watched, that we honestly, we avoid at all costs because of the way that their anger has unleashed on others. And so now the punishment is lack of relationship, lack of community, lack of closeness, right? People that, that get angry and blow it, uh, man, you carry, we carry around with us our own punishment. People are always walking on eggshells around us because they're worried. They're, they're, they're con- they, they're, they just never know when somebody might just, just erupt. Or there's people that won't even engage with you or maybe somebody you know, you're like this. You're like, I won't even talk to that person about, about you know, politics or, because you know the anger that's going to come out. Why? Because there's something deep inside that they're trying to defend about themselves. Or Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. See, we, we've got to stop letting anger control us because anger, is, it, it can just destroy even some of the people that we love the most. I remember... This was several years ago, and um, our, I used to drive our girls every once in a while to an um, orthopedic, like a, a, pedi- a pediatric orthodontist um, up on you know, the other side towards Cleveland. And, and so uh, some days I would, I would be the one that would get to take them, you know, and we're, we're cruising down Route 2, headed towards Cleveland, headed to the orthodontist, and the girls are in the back seat. And, I mean, they were two years apart, and... And usually just awesome, great girls. But on this particular day, you know, they were just being sisters. (laughs) And, you know, one of them says something or does something. The other one says something, does something. And it just started this, 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 this back and forth, and it's getting a little bit more intense. And it's getting tense, intense in the front seat, too, because, like, my anger is welling up. Like, and, and, and at first I thought, well, it's a righteous anger. Like, there's something in me that when I see, our own kids, our own family, not getting along. It, I think that, I mean, there's a righteous side of that, that, like the heartbeat of God. Think about how he feels when he sees his church, his people going at each other. 
And so at first I thought, well, you know, not, no, no, not in this family. You aren't doing this. There's, there's plenty of those arguments and going at each other and saying harsh things to each other out there at your school and on the playground and, and with your friendship groups and on the cheer team, but not here, not in our car, not in our family, right? And I got to one of those points, those dad moments. You ever been to one of those? Like, I'll pull this car over <laughs> right now. And I mean, they were like young teens. I was ready to just pull them out of the car, bend them over the knee. I mean, you know, I just like was, Rah! and I did. I had to pull the car over. But truth be told, it wasn't because of them. It was because of me, my heart rate was going so fast. I mean, I, and I, I, I mean, I'm raising, and I don't usually but anger got a hold of me. And I mean, I'm yelling louder and stronger than they ever could. And I remember I pulled the car over and I looked back and Gracie, our, she, she just had this look of, it was terror on her eyes. And man, in that moment, I could have, you know, we read this proverb last week, Proverbs 21 two. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. And I, I could have justified, like, in my own eyes, well, but, but this is not in our family, and we're not going to let you fight, and we're not going to let you argue. And that was, that, there was a good sense there, but the way I handled it, it was not right. And it caused fear. It was one of the first times I saw that kind of fear in one of my kids' lives. I don't ever want them to feel that from their dad. We, gotta, we, got, we can't let anger control us because it will just destroy. It'll destroy us. It'll destroy our reputation. It'll destroy our relationships. It'll damage our friendships. It'll keep us from moving forward in our, in our work life and world. It does mass destruction. But you say, well, but, but Todd, what about, I mean, when somebody's done something that's so hurt me and, and, and I'm so wounded, what am I supposed to do with that then? Proverbs 25 verse 21 says, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Now listen, he goes on. He says, and in so doing, he says, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. In other words, he's saying, kill them with kindness, right? Even when we've been, if we love God and we love people still the most, and we, and we quit loving self the most, we'll be able to release that anger to God and then still love even the person's that hurt us and wound us. And in so doing, he says, if, if we continue to show kindness and care, we'll actually heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, our opponents may find our kindness toward them to be painful. They will want confirmation that their contempt for us is justified, but kind behavior robs them of it. Kill them with kindness. It's what we can do with anger. So, so we know what anger is. We know we've got to stop it. We've got to quit trying to just manage it, but get rid of it, cut it out of our lives only through the grace of Christ and through leaning into his truth 
and his power because when it controls us, it does mass destruction. But I want to think about a flip side of anger. And the question that I want to propose is, why must I start allowing anger to control me? You know, anger, it's a motivator, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, good or bad. Like, you'll find yourself doing things when you're angry that you would have never done. It, it, it makes you get some stuff done or it, it gives you some power, some strength, some adrenaline. I don't know. But it can work in the positive in our lives as well. See, anger, it, it's listed as one of the deadly sins, but it has to do with, with what we get angry about. Remember, we said our de definition of anger is energy released to defend something that you love. So if we love God and we love people the most, then we'll start to get angry about the things that are hurting and affecting God and people. And those can be the right things to get angry about. In fact, throughout the scriptures, God, God gets angry. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus got angry, but for the right things. And the response was right. Proverbs 14, 31 says, Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. Like God is insulted when poor people are oppressed by others. It makes God angry. But then he says, the flip side is helping the poor. It honors them. See, we need to let our anger move us to action, but the right kind of action, not an unleashed venting that's really about us, but a, a, an action that's motivated both by righteous anger but by deep compassion and love and care for others that moves us to do something. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. See, God's own word to us is saying, Listen, hey, get angry. But get angry about the right things. And so many times we're getting angry about the wrong things and we're just trying to defend self. But if we gain the heart of God and the heart of Jesus, we'll get angry about the right kinds of things. Our anger should lead us to action. Aren't there some things uh, that just you look at in our world and you're like, man, that is just not right. And probably you've had this thought, man, somebody should do something about that. And the question is, what if that someone is you? What if that someone is us? What if we led our God-centered, other-centered care for others kind of anger motivate us to action, to do something that makes a change. And that's what I want to, I just want us to end our time thinking about some of the ways that, that we're trying to do that as a church. Like anger can be a good motivating factor. And, and God's heartbeat obviously is for the, the hurting and for the helpless and for the oppressed. It's part of the reason why uh, our growing deeper fund, we, we've designated some specific areas 
to use some of those resources for, to get involved in our community, in our world. Why? To, to make a difference, to do something about some of the things that, are, that happen in the community that are not right, right? Uh, just just a, a few months ago, we did a, what we called a baby bottle drive. We partnered with a Heartbeat of Ottawa County, and then at our other campuses, we parted, partnered with other pregnancy resource centers. Why? Because we value life. Because we believe that when life is snuffed out, whether it's the, the life of the unborn or whether it's a life neglected of the, the aged or the elderly, God values and loves life. And so we should get angry when, when something is, is stealing life or destroying life or taking away life. And so, so we, we gave you these little baby bottles, and, and people took them home, and they just put their loose change, and truth be told, a few checks ended up in there because just people were like, we got to do something about this. And I just wanted to take a few moments to re- report that back between our three campuses, and this money gets disseminated right out to these local organizations that are doing a good work. Um, $12,000 was collected. That's awesome. See... Get angry and let our anger lead us to action. Or uh, just last weekend, we finished our warming the homeless, uh, warming the community drive. And, and there are homeless and there are people that are poor and that are hurting right in our community, right here in Port Clinton, out here on the, on the peninsula, people that are, that are going without, people that this, this winter... Would, would be cold. And so we said, we got to do something about that. And it's so cool to just get to report back to you. Uh, 63 brand new adult coats, 121 kids' coats, coats 806 pairs of socks. They're gonna, not going to be no barefooted kids or people this, this winter, not on this peninsula, right? Um, 80 pairs of gloves. Let our anger lead us to action. That's the right kind of anger. Or I love this ministry. Um, my wife, that's my cute wife, Lisa, on the right there. And um, this is Cinderella's Closet. You might not even know of Cinderella's Closet. It's a, it's a, it's a, they have a location in the Sandusky area, but Annette Farrell, who attends the Port Clinton campus, Annette helped start Cinderella's Closet. There was a point in history when she realized, man, there's a lot of girls that they're not getting to go to prom or to homecoming dance because they can't, their family can't afford a dress. And man, I, I've, I've felt that pain. I had two girls and we went through it. But there's people that, there's, there's girls that, that would miss out altogether on that kind of opportunity. And Cinderella's Closet's mission is to, is to help girls. I mean, their tagline, turning dresses into dreams. At some point, somebody said, man, that's just not right. We can do better. We can, we can, we can help. And um, so Lisa, she volunteers there. I think she's got one more Wednesday night and, and uh, loves just coming alongside these girls and just showing them love. And I mean, treating them like royalty and just showing such great care. And people donate dresses. And, and why? Because we let, they let their anger lead them to the right kind of action. Or I, or I, think, uh, I think about... Um, the work that we've gotten to be involved in Burundi. And I remember when the first team came back and they saw the poverty. They saw the helplessness. They saw kids, little infants. 
that weren't making it because they didn't have proper nutrition and care and food, clean water. And so we as a church, we adopted this little village of the Batwa people and that, that are just kind of despised people in that area. And now there's life and there's clean water and there's a community center and there's education and there's health care and there's food because somebody got angry and let them move it to action. That's the heartbeat of Jesus. Let's let our anger, the good kind, the right kind of anger, lead us to action. When I think about it, Jesus, Jesus got angry, didn't he? One time he got angry because in the temple they were just changing money and taking advantage of people and it made him mad. Or I think what happened in, in John chapter 11. A man named Lazarus had died. He was one of Jesus' close friends. And Mary and Martha came to him and they're like, Jesus, if you would have been here, you could have done something about this. We've read the story before. And, and one of Jesus' responses is kind of surprising. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. I think in that moment, Jesus was angry. He was angry at death. He was angry because death had stolen one of his friends. He was angry when he saw the, the hurt and the pain and the loss on Mary and Martha's countenance. But then Jesus let that anger lead him to action, he, and he did what only Jesus could do. He went to the, to the grave where Lazarus was, and Lazarus had already been dead for multiple days, and they said, man, he's going to stink. And, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. It's why Jesus said to one of the sisters, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he will yet live. And then Jesus went on to go to the cross to do for us what we could have never done for ourselves so that he could carry this kind of promise, this kind of life, he let his anger about sin and death lead him to action. And what was his action? It wasn't to put up a fight. It was to surrender. To surrender his life for our lives. That's what we celebrate at communion. When you, when you came into the, the room today, hopefully you grabbed some communion elements. And if you didn't, our team would be happy to just bring you um, just raise your hand if you didn't get some communion elements, but you'd like to share in this time with us, and uh, somebody will bring bring a bring it bring it by for you. And if you peel back that first thin, clear layer, you come to a little wafer. It's just a reminder that that Jesus took on a human body, a tangible body a body that he could feel pain, a body that could be pierced, a body that would bleed, a body that would be given so that we could be made whole. Jesus let his anger move him to action, an action on your behalf, on my behalf, on behalf of a world 
that is lost and dying without him. Jesus said, I want you to remember me by doing this. Remember my body given for you. Let's remember him. And then if you peel back the, the foil layer, you come to the juice. The juice represents the blood of Christ that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, Jesus got angry about sin, but instead of holding it against us, our sins were held against him. It was our sins that put him on that cross. But Jesus willingly gave his life away. And so Jesus shared the cup with his disciples and he said, this, this represents my blood poured out for you. Do this and remember me. Jesus, today we thank you that you had the right kind of anger. And we confess it so many times in our life, the anger that comes out or the anger that is underneath the surface. It's so about us and self-centered and self-serving. God, help us to rid ourselves of that kind of anger and help us to start getting angry about the right things and lead us to action so this world might feel the impact of your love. In Christ's name we pray, amen.